this morning, we'll be looking at understanding the gospel of the kingdom. Understanding the gospel of the kingdom. Essentially, the gospel of the kingdom has two major parts to it. It's one gospel with two major parts to it. The first part, we seem to understand to a point, and I'm using the word carefully. The second part, not so many people have an understanding of what it is. But the two parts to the gospel of the kingdom they're like the two wings of a great eagle. If you clip one of them, the eagle cannot soar. Are you following me? For the gospel of the kingdom to be the gospel of the kingdom that it is, the two parts of this gospel have to be proclaimed with the same intensity, with the same commitment. And that's where I think the church seems to be lacking at this time. And I'm talking about the church of God generally. We seem to want to fly with one wing. It's not going to happen. And I will talk about the other dimensions to this one gospel called the gospel of the kingdom. But let me talk about the two parts quickly before we go home. And then we'll break this down. The first part to the gospel of the kingdom is the proclamation of salvation. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The second part is the declaration of his lordship over all. I will break that down. I 
and why the two parts have to be emphasized equally. And we have to run with the two parts to this for it to be truly the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. Let me summarize this so that we will understand where the two parts come, the two parts coming, and then we can then do a studying around these two parts and why they have to run together. Brother Mark did a good job last week in helping us a great deal with the first part of it. Did mention some things quickly about the second part, but we need to put some emphasis on that as well. He has told us what the gospel is, and we have said it before. It's simply good news, good tidings. It is the good news or good tidings of the great love of God for all mankind. Note what I'm talking about. All mankind. Through his son, Jesus Christ. And all he has accomplished in his best is suffering and death on the cross at Calvary, is resurrection on the third day, and his ascension to the right hand of majesty on high. Where today is enthroned as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Amen. That has very great implication for us. Is the is the why would that not be good news? It's an expression of the great love of God, and I use that word great love of God. According to John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
Do you get that? It's the great love of God. Never start a gospel that does not demonstrate the love of God. It is no gospel. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Let me, let's open to that John 3, because we seem to think we know it, but let me say something there today. In John 3, and so we need to begin, begin to examine what do we bring to people? What is the good news we are bringing to people? In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Proclamation of salvation. Is that not Correct. Through his son, a gospel that comes carrying a message that is essentially condemnation, condemnation is not the gospel. The people of the people of the world must see the true heart of God, of love for them in salvation. A God who loves them so much as to come down to their level in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to bring men back to himself. Wherever they may be, whatever they have gone through, whatever they have done. Are you following me? That first part, like I said, Brother Mark did a good job with that last week. How Jesus Christ came to seek that which was lost. Are you following me? Amen. And we have to, it's not just in saying it, we have to we have to, in carrying this good news, it has to show, are you following me, in our presentation of it. Have you seen somebody who wants to tell somebody, I say, I love you, and goes to them and say, don't you know I love you? Don't you know I love you? You will run away from that person, won't you? <laughs> I'm sure that will look strange to you. To the person. You get the point I'm making? That's not the gospel. We must present it in a way that reflects the true heart of God for people wherever they are and in whatever situation they are. The great love of God. and all that he has accomplished through his son, Jesus Christ. 
And let me quickly say this, that that is not limited to just when we say we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior. I'm coming to that. There is so much that Christ has achieved in his birth, in his life, in his suffering, in his death, in his resurrection, that even those of us who have believed, we have yet to actually appropriate. In many aspects of our life, we have not even clearly understood what salvation is. That word soterios in Greek is an all-encompassing word. Amen. Because there's so much Christ has achieved for us that we are yet to appropriate even as believers. And the gospel extends to that. And I'll come to this when we begin to further provide a clarification around what I'm saying now. Now, mind you, uh, I'm just given the first part of it. The second part of, of it, broadly, is the declaration of his lordship over all. Over all. And I want to say over all his creation. Amen. Including principalities and power. Are you following me? Over all creation is lordship. And that requires real exposition. Amen. Because without understanding that bit, we will be hindered in propagating the kingdom. The next bit I just want to go into quickly this morning then is, what is the kingdom? The word kingdom, what does it mean? Then our teaching starts from here. The word kingdom is from the Greek word basilia. Basilia. B-A-S-I-L-A-I-A. If I'm correct, yes, I think that's the, that's the spelling. Basilia. And what does basilia mean? Basilia, and take note of the way I'm going to put this because it's important to understand the order of this. Basilia is the active expression of the sovereignty that is the dominion, the power and authority 
of the king over a domain, territory, you want to call it, realm, and the people. And I move on in that definition for the propagation of his, I'm talking about the king now, his vision, his virtues, his values, and his ideals. People who are listening to me from this part of the world, from the Western world, may not understand this. But if you have lived in Africa, where true monarchy was practiced in those days. Are you following me? The authority of the king is unquestionable. Are you following me? That's why in my language, they are called KBAC. That's the king. I'm praying that you will understand this today. So the king is actively, when you, what you want to call a kingdom is where the king is actively expressing his sovereignty, actively. His dominion, power and authority, which is what the sovereignty is about, over a domain. a territory, a realm, and the people they are in. For the propagation or spreading of his own vision, the king wants to sell his vision, his values, his virtues, and his ideals within his kingdom. So you cannot come in a kingdom and not appreciate what is the what are the king's ideals here. The value of the king will be seen everywhere. The handwriting of the king will literally be seen in everything. His virtues, the things, the king values. has good character, good behavior, they will, be, they will be there for you to see. Hallelujah. That's what the essence of a king, you know, of a kingdom is. Amen. These definitions I've given this morning, I hope you understand what it is. You, you, did you get this up to this point? But there's no way you can understand these two parts we have just talked about without understanding God's kingdom agenda. 
I remember as I was listening to some of the messages last year, I didn't even know that we went into that debt last year when we were talking about kings and priests. I went into a great debt in one of the messages which we think we will put up on the on YouTube about God's kingdom agenda. Because we need to understand God's kingdom agenda before we can understand the gospel of the kingdom. And both of them are good news. So that we will understand the kingdom of God. And you will remember that in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, which we have also looked at extensively in the past, in Matthew chapter 6, I just want to pick a verse there as we go into God's kingdom agenda. In Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus taught us to pray this way. In this manner, therefore, pray. I'm reading Matthew chapter 6 from verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. The opening words after worship, after recognizing the Father, the very opening part to that request is about kingdom. And that's why, brothers and sisters, Matthew 6.33 is very important. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all other things will be added to us. The kingdom is primary to God. In all of his dealings on the earth, the kingdom is primary to God. We cannot make it secondary. Whatever we do that does not contribute to the kingdom agenda of God is not worth it. You can as well stop it as believers. The kingdom is primary to God and not secondary. It's the standard by which we weigh whatever we do Amen. Everything revolves around God's kingdom agenda. If your prayers, what you are requesting for, in terms of even provision, you cannot find a place for it within the kingdom expression of God on earth, it's not worth it. You can leave it. Seek you first, make it primary. And that is not saying sleep in church 24-7, no. You get the point I'm making? Because that's a mistake we can make. Say God says I should seek first his kingdom. So I have to put my mat inside the church where I sleep every... No, no, you're getting it wrong. 
That's unnecessary spirituality that contributes to nothing. Amen. Because that readily becomes religion. Religion. That has no contribution to God's kingdom agenda. So whatever we do, in whatever way we do them, let's always have the kingdom agenda of God at the center of it all. The first question you want to ask yourself is, how will this contribute to God's kingdom agenda? And when I was talking about the vision of the king, the values, the virtues, the ideals of the king, I'm essentially talking about the will of the king. What the king desires to be done in his domain by those who dwell therein. That's the will. And in this passage we have just read, you will discover that the whole intention of God Why some people are thinking of dying to get into the kingdom of God in heaven, God is desiring that the kingdom of God should invade the earth. Whoa! Do you understand that? Should invade the earth. God wants the ideals of heaven, the values of heaven, the virtues in heaven, are you getting me, to become propagated on the earth. That's why you will see the Bible frequently use the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Synonymously, some people have tried to make a difference between the two. No, the simple reason, one is talking about this, the, you know, the source. The other is talking about the owner. It's of heaven. It's a kingdom from heaven. That's why Jesus was saying, my kingdom is not of this world. It does not originate here. Are you following me? It's of heaven. The origin is of heaven. But it was me- it is meant to invade the hair. Oh, may God give us understanding of this truth in Jesus' name. So, whatever will not advance the will of God on the earth is not worth pursuing. Amen. Now, let me talk briefly because we are going to continue here to have further understanding of this gospel of the kingdom. Because there's the second aspect which I've not even said much about at all. The declaration of his lordship. But we can only understand that as we go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. From verse 26. Genesis 1 from verse 26. 
Now, trying to quickly understand God's kingdom agenda within this message as much as we can before we close. Verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, denoting those who are all the earth, including the animals, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over everything that moves on the earth, whatever that thing may be. As long as they find themselves within the domain called earth, God wants man to exercise a rule over them. And I'll tell you what that means. Praise God. 26 to 28, I've read Genesis 1. And I will repeat what I've said over and over again. If you want to understand the Bible, please make sure you pray to understand Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, at the least. Those opening chapters of the Bible, they have a lot for us. I'm not necessarily saying others don't. I'm simply saying, first of all, get an understanding of that. So God, in his kingdom agenda, decided to create our planet for a purpose. Amen. And he created man in his own likeness and image, and he gave them dominion. That is authority to rule a domain. That's what dominion is. Authority to govern, to administer a domain. Let me go back to the kind of monarchy that was practiced in Africa. Because it, it is, it's a poor example, but it helps us to understand what this is about. In those days when you have a great king, Whenever the great king uh, has a, a son called a prince, are you following me? They will create a domain for them. They will go and look for a territory within the area they are ruling over and ask the son to administer those areas, those geographical territory on their behalf. In those areas where the sons have been dispatched, the prince, and sometimes the princess have been dispatched to go and look over the 
princes and the princesses, they are recognized as kings and queens over those domains. Are you following me? Because they rule on behalf of the father king. Whatever they do there, they do it on behalf of the father king. You, you understand what I'm talking about now? That's the way it was operated in those days. And I'm talking about active expression. And that's why I've said not what I'm talking about. Active expression of the authority of the king over those domains. And the, the people there who are the subjects within those domains. And that was exactly the kingdom agenda of God here. That God, having created the heaven and the earth, decided to put man in charge of the earth with dominion. And whoever has the dominion, the authority to rule a territory, to rule a domain, is the king of the domain. So God planted man on earth to be the king of the domain of to be kings over the domain called X. Whoa. Do you understand the point now? Someone to read for me. Psalm 115 verse 16. Just to get this right. So in God's kingdom agenda, God wanted his kingdom, which is in heaven, already established with clear vision, clear values, clear virtues and ideals, which you just call the righteousness of the kingdom. Want that same one to be propagated in the domain called earth, to be administered by mankind, male and female. The Bible says he created them. The higher heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth, the earth he has given to mankind. I, I like your translation. The highest heaven belongs to God. No, you don't contest that. But the earth he has given to mankind. Other translations say the sons of men, including male and female. That's God's kingdom agenda. Because God wants to have his footprint, his hand, his signature over his creation. And for God to do that on the earth, he created man to be the extension of himself to the earth for the purpose of carrying forward his vision, his values, his virtues, these ideals which are obtained in heaven. The course, we'll have to conclude this message somewhere today and trust God to continue from there. You know what happened to that authority. You know what man did because, as I've explained again in the past, for a man to remain in authority, you must be under authority. You must be under a superior authority. 
for a man to remain in authority, you must be under a superior authority. You must be obedient to a superior authority. And that's why in chapter, I mean, he told man in chapter two, the do's and the don'ts. I'm not going into that. Every other thing, every other tree in this garden of Eden, which was to be the beginning of the program of God. Eden was not to be the end in his head. It was to be the beginning because he said, multiply, spread about and carry this same vision from the Garden of Eden to the ends of the earth. However, he gave them just one condition. You can eat everything, but this tree of good and evil, don't touch it. The knowledge of good and evil, sorry. Don't, not don't touch it, don't eat it. It's not touch, don't eat it. You understand? And in the disobedience of man in doing that, one just one thing I want to emphasize today is that man gave up, willingly gave up the authority, the dominion that God had given him to another. And this is a point you have to understand. I'm saying, give it up willingly. Surrender that authority, that dominion that belonged to him, to another. The one who had deceived him to rebel. Because what we call sin is actually rebellion against the order of God. The one who had caused him to rebel against God then cunningly took over that authority. He would have said, what has pastor just said? It is true. And rather than the kingdom of God being propagated on the earth, the one who took the dominion, the authority from man, this time around, legitimately, legally, because man surrendered what was given to him to another, began to use it because he understand the importance of authority, dominion, which man did not understand. He took it because dominion is for the propagation of a kingdom. And whoever has the dominion over a territory becomes the king of the territory, becomes the ruler of the territory, becomes the one who dictates the pace of, him, of affairs in that territory. Are you following the point I'm making? So he collected it from man and he didn't waste time. He started spreading. We could have gone through that, but this is not a Bible study time. Just for us, just to steer us into studying on our own. He collected it and he quickly ran with it, propagating his own vision, 
its own values, its own virtues, its own ideals, which were contrary and in opposition and in confrontation to that of God. The way to prove it, the way to know what I'm trying to talk about, as we begin to conclude here, is to look at just three scriptures from where we will continue from. You remember the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness? Let's pick three scriptures here to this morning as we close. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, now I'm beginning to touch on the tragedy of the fall of man. One key thing in that tragedy, there were two, two key things in the tragedy, really. The loss of relationship with God, which is key. The loss of access to the presence of God and the loss of authority to administer the earth on the behalf of God. But look at what happened during the temptation. Look chapter four, if I'm there. And look at what the devil told Jesus from verse five. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms. Look at that word, kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomsoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Two key things to note quickly here, brothers and sisters. Number one, you can see that the devil went and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. You know, took him to a place and showed him, you know, and said, the authority over this, I will give to you. On one condition, that you worship me. Brothers and sisters, worship is key to a kingdom. Worship is key to a kingdom. Every king desires to be honored, respected, praised, worshipped in his own kingdom. Hallelujah. Worship is key. Now, but there's a statement the, the devil made there that is interesting. He said, I'll give this to you because it has been delivered to me. And whosoever worships me, I'll give him. I will delegate part of my authority to him. Oh, I pray you will understand this in Jesus' name. Do you know that Jesus did not contest it? He didn't argue it. He said, it was delivered to me. Who delivered it? Do you think God delivered it to him? No. Man delivered the authority, the dominion that God gave him to the devil. Brothers and sisters, 
every rebellion against God will always make you to lose something. Every disobedience against God will cost you something. And here, mankind, mankind lost something and gave it to the one who has no love of mankind in mind. He propagated his own kingdoms. Controlled domains. Dictated the pace of governance in nations and cities. Dictated their culture, their, their, you know, their, 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 their tastes. Their fashion. Controlled their media. Are you getting the point I'm making this morning? That was why, as I, the next two scriptures will tell you what it is. First John chapter five, I think about verse nineteen, and from here we will see where the good news starts, where the good news is, because that was a tragedy, that was a great fall, and anyone who does not understand the fall of man and the gravity of it can never appreciate salvation. Never appreciate salvation. Look at it. Chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5 says, I think it's verse 19. We know that we are of God. And the whole world, the rest of the world, lies under this way. The control. The manipulation of the wicked one. Do you get it now? And that was what was happening. The enemy had gained so much ground. And today, you and I just need to listen to what is going on on the news. And you will know that the devil has gained so much ground. So much ground. over several territories, several aspects of our society and nations of the world. You will know that the shot is called in many places, not by a principle of righteousness, but by a principle of injustice and wickedness, which can never be of God. Lastly, And from here, by the grace of God, we'll continue. Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. In Second Corinthians chapter four, Paul was talking about the preaching of the gospel. And this is where the declaration of his lordship comes in. Because no matter what good news you have, you must know that there's a barrier to this being accepted. No matter how much we proclaim the love of God, we must know that there's a barrier to his acceptance. There's an opposition to his spread. Because the one who had controlled the kingdoms of the world is not going to give up. Even though he has already lost the authority, when Jesus announced in Matthew Chapter 
28, and say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has lost it, but he will never accept defeat readily. One person I know that never concede, that never accept defeat, what he will eventually do is the devil. Amen. He doesn't concede readily. No, 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 no. Even when you have won against him, he will still parade himself as if he's still in charge. And we must know that about his tricks. Let's go as we round up. Second Corinthians chapter 4, and I read. Paul speaking said, but from verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Why? Whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light or the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So there is a resistance even to the gospel of salvation about the love of God that Christ has brought. To bail man out of the tragedy that man has found, mankind has found themselves in. From here we will continue. But we are of God. According to that first John 5.19, we are of God. We are already of God. We are of God. And we have a business here on earth. May the Lord give us understanding of what this is about in Jesus' name. Because God's kingdom agenda is clear and the tragedy of the fall of man is clear. And from here, by the grace of God, we shall continue.